This episode of Blue Shirt Breakaway is brought to you by Bloomberg. The economy is getting back underway and with it the world of pro sports. Stay ahead of the curve with unparalleled tools of two world-class news desks covering development across finance, economics, technology, and of course, sports. And that's why you're here. Subscribe to Bloomberg.com. And if you're not already an, a The Athletic subscriber, for a limited time, receive a complimentary subscription to The Athletic. Go to Bloomberg.com slash subscribe to sign up today. Again, that is Bloomberg.com slash subscribe. Okay, another big show. I want to just thank everyone real quick. We were a top five hockey podcast in America all last week. That's incredible, uh, especially because we only cover the New York Rangers, and Greg and I are both idiots. So I really appreciate you guys tuning in, supporting us, and let's get to the show and Mark Messier, shall we? Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Welcome to another video of Breakaway. I am your host of this podcast, Ryan Mead of The Athletic, and a top five hockey podcast, top ten overall all time. And I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan, also a host of a top ten hockey podcast of all time in America. Greg, how's it feel to be great? And and also, say hello. Well, I mean, I was born great. Mm. You could you can ask. You can ask. Peggy Kaplan has come on this podcast and said so herself. Yes, born great. Born there's a lot. I think there's a baby, baby Gaga. Oh my God, Lady Gaga joke here, but we we can't fight it. Baby Gaga. Thank you, everybody. Uh, we'll share here some that, shit about that. Uh, that's your, that's your spinoff of all Lady Gaga songs right there. Absolutely. Um, just for those wondering, we're still number one in Brazil. Okay, just a quick rundown. Number six. That's the only one that matters to me personally. It's a big deal. One time I did see we fell out, and I was really like it hurt. A lot. I really didn't care about the America one. That one hurts. Still number one in South Korea. Dope. Number six in Australia. Number three in Great Britain. You know what? All I'm saying. Sweden, though, not so good. Oh, well, we haven't been. Eh, we've been very nice to Henrik Lundqvist in our lives. We but have. I guess we haven't been very nice to Elias Anderson. 39 in Sweden. Do not like. They do what? not like us. I know. It's crazy. And I got to you know be honest. What? They're notoriously, the fi- notoriously anti-Mets the f- in Sweden. That's a fact. Actually, we did, get, we did get a comment from someone from Sweden this week saying, I don't know what the Mets are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, am I jealous. Yes. That must be a nice and happy life that person is living. Uh, yeah, they're like, I've listened to this podcast for the first time. Don't know what the Mets are. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You're in Sweden. Um, and Finland yeah. also. I, not, I not wish. Just, I just want to I just want to live that guy's world for just like 30 minutes. I just, I just want 30 minutes of not remembering what the New York Mets are. Oh, that's what we'll be trying to do on this show today. Um, to uh, are the Mets playing tonight? I'm assuming they are. <laughs> they're, they're playing right now. Yeah, they're okay. playing right now. We'll get some updates. So, uh, oh, let, Brandon Nimmo just hit a leadoff uh, double. Uh, look, I'm so good at my job. All right, so Wait, now foul? No, no. What? Stop. Stop. Oh boy. <laughs> um, here we go. So it's been a week since we did the first podcast since in the mm. the Lafreniere. La, am I getting it now? Lafreniere, Lafreniere, Lafreniere. Uh, era in uh in New York Ranger hockey. So, the last episode we did was sort of a manic episode. And then we did a mailbag and kind of covered the future of what was going on. A week later, does it feel real to you? Because to me, it still doesn't feel that way. Like, the Kako thing felt real from the start. A week later, I've gotten time to digest. Like, oh my god, we're getting the first overall pick. And I, I don't feel as good as I did when we got the second overall pick. Now I'm kind of like, I'm still thrilled. Things are awesome. I'm pumped for the future. Like, we're definitely heading towards something fun and something great. But I'm also ready for disappointment. 
with Kako, there was all this hope and all this, like, like wow, the future. And this is like, oh, wow. I think this puts a lot of, not pressure, but, like, as a fan, you're like, okay, I could see this is, this is supposed to be awesome, and I could see this going terribly. Uh, I wonder if any of your hesitations with it only being positive has to do with the fact that we don't fully know when the next NHL season is going to start. Yeah. So it's hard, it's hard to put a start date on when the Lafreniere is it? It is Laf. I feel like, you know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to Matt Spenley go, right go, now. Go to Matt Spenley, SNY Ranger videos. He's yeah, we're. The, I should just bookmark this tweet right now. I know it's Alex, Alexi. Got that? Nailed it. Lafre- yeah. I think it's yeah, Lafreniere. I think it is. I called him Alexis a lot last show, so that was nice. Really embarrassing. Sure did. Well, that's how it's spelled. Yep. <laughs> just, Here we just go. Makes what sense. do you got? What do you got, Spence? What, what do you got, Spence? Hit me, Spenley. Hit me. His friends. You know, his friends call him Spoons. Spoons. It is Lafreniere. Okay. There you go. Lafreniere. Okay. So that, 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 that's pronunciations with Matt Spenley. Thank that you. might become a running gag on the podcast. I'm sure he'll make us more videos. Um, yeah, I, I don't have any – I don't have any – what's the word I'm looking for here? Hesitation? I don't have any – no, meh, kind of. Uh, yeah, let's go with hesita- hesitation. I'm not going to think of anything better. The, I, the, this has done nothing but allow me to cook on ideas on what the New York Rangers can do, what the New York Rangers have the ability to do, players the New York Rangers could move that they couldn't possibly think about moving before this, deals the Rangers could be making with teams to bring other players in. All this has done is create whatever whatever possibility I would have spewed about for the next, I don't know, two, three months-ish, uh, I would have had to have given the caveat that it's probably not at all likely that it could happen. But now that the Rangers have the number one overall pick, it's kind of kind of like everything's on the table. Anything and everything is on the table for the Rangers. And even when the Rangers had the number two overall pick last year, it didn't ever feel like everything was on the table for them. Uh, and it just, the Rangers could go in 27 different directions. And the question is, which direction are they going to go? And it's going to be, for me, it's fun trying to play that guessing game of choose your own half uh like murder mystery type shit that's that's basically what we're going to be playing with for the rangers moving forward it's pretty much what we're doing so far and and again i gave you credit on last week's bsbot uh mailbox edition and if you haven't gotten to listen to that it's still up right now on the athletic and on all podcast feeds it's been pretty great Uh, but you know you know what i just realized you're you're just catering to the fucking liberal media what am i doing? trying to save the postal service by <laughs> hosting a mailbag episode oh Ryan. no god damn it <laughs> save the unbelievable USPS. hey it's not just the liberal media the president tweeted out today too okay it's important <laughs> it's important we're gonna get flamed. unreal it's okay unreal uh, save the post i can't everybody. believe you i know sir so we had a mailbox episode a mail- mailbox mailbox episode um, where Gregory, uh, I gave him credit and I said, said mm. you were the first person, especially because we did it, the podcast an hour after the pick was, was done and over with. And, um, mm. the first person to say offer sheet, Matt Barzal. And I have to tell you, since you've said that, it's all I see. I ask, I wonder, <laughs> is it, have I created a monster? Like, are we seeing it because all our followers, God bless them, God love them. Um, they couldn't be possibly more in on it as well. So we're seeing it just talked about anytime anyone mentions anything. And I'm 110% fanning the flames. I mean, three billboards over Elmont, New York is my new favorite movie. 
I, I uh, mean, not a bad idea. Would like to get a price check. Um, it, not as expensive as you think. Really? Especially, yeah, the, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. The first thing I did when I quote unquote logged into work this morning, mm-hmm. was, by the way, if anyone from work is listening, I do a lot of work. I did a lot I, of work to know. I did. Uh, I, I did 12 hours of news for the Hudson Valley. I don't want to hear it. But the, uh, the first thing I did was Google where Jeff Gordon lived, Somers, New York, mm-hmm. and then how we could go about putting billboards in Somers, New York. And it, unfortunately for us, it kind of sounds like we'd have to go down the uh, mobile billboard Interesting. avenue. Interesting. But what about like by Belmont, though? You know, like on the way to the new yeah, stadium. That, I never, I, ne- I didn't, I didn't get to the point where I looked at what billboard space would okay. cost in beautiful Elmont. New hey, York. if you, you know what it is. You, did you know that it's El- Belmont Park is in Elmont, New York? For some reason, they didn't want to just name one or the other Belmont or I'm f- Elmont. I'm from Long Island, and I don't think I knew that. Yeah. Belmont yeah. town. Horse racing, baby. I always Belmont call it is not a town. Belmont. Elmont, New York is where Belmont Park is. Oh, my God. It, Belmont's in New Hampshire and Massachusetts, but it's not Long it Island. It's not in New York. Whoa. It's not in New York. And this has been learning ge- Long Island geography with Bush's Breakaway. Very good. There you go. Wow, it is called Elmont. I have never, I yeah. again from Long Island, lived there my whole life. I would always call Just, it Belmont. I, I call them both the same thing. I honestly have no preference between Belmont and Elmont. Just why? But why be different? Is my question. So what if we go to Elmont? Well, let's look at this. If you are know anybody of billboard guys, any billboard guys out there from Elmont, Long Island, hit us up on Twitter. Bushers break. You know who we could we could hit up our good friend James Duffy because I know he's got quotes. Yeah, I just don't think James would really like what we were. We put. no, we just got to be careful. <laughs> don't tell him why. Okay. Just we go we go to James hey, asking James, for up? quotes, and then when he asks us why, uh, we just change the subject. Yeah. Talk no, about something else. No big deal. Just not definitely not writing offer sheet Barzal on a big billboard outside Elmont. That's it. Mm. All right. Um, I, I have become more questioning of the future, as we were saying, uh, back to our original conversation, where it's like you said, everything's on the table for the New York Rangers now. And I do believe that. Whereas I was wondering what the world would look like if we didn't win the ping pong, the world I didn't run a half marathon, and the world I really truly believe what would be happening, where we were sitting on this podcast the next couple of weeks thinking about Londell, thinking about other, yeah, other I, players that the, might fall the, there. The draft pick the Rangers would have that would fall inside the top 15, we'd be talking about acquiring a player that would be helpful to the Rangers in the next two to three years. No, I, it doesn't matter who the Rangers would draft. We wouldn't be looking at anyone that would have an immediate impact on the Rangers or even an immediate impact on the Hartford Wolfpack. It, it would be another long-term piece that we could maybe play around with in trade scenarios. I think we'd be talking about the Rangers trying to trade or things the Rangers could possibly get for pick number 10 or 11 or how high up into the top 10, the Rangers could go if they packaged uh, their first and the Carolina first, those would be the things we would talk about. We would still be talking about, I think we would still have the discussions about whether the Rangers would choose one of Tony D'Angelo and Ryan Strom. Absolutely. I think we'd be having the discussions about what, yeah, I think we'd be having more discussions about what one year deals would look like for both those players. And I think we'd still come to the conclusion that one of them would have to go. I think we'd be talking a lot about the trade market value of Niels Lundqvist along with Stroman D'Angelo. I think we'd be talking a lot about what the Rangers can do to afford or how they can afford Jesper Faust. 
but I think outside of that, not a whole lot. I, I, I think it would be hard for us to get super creative in trade discussions because it wouldn't feel like the Rangers have the ammo that they now have with the number one overall pick. And it's not even us sitting here saying the Rangers are dangling the number one overall pick. I laugh at anyone who suggests the New York Rangers are going to trade number one overall. We've, <laughs> we have evidence that the New York Rangers are losing Alexi Lafreniere as a sales pitch in season ticketing. Yes, we do. Marketing. So, uh, yeah, it's not like the Rangers are using Lafreniere in any other way than trying to get more butts in seats whenever butts will be allowed to be back in seats. Uh, that's The Rangers are keeping the first overall pick. They're drafting Alexi Lafreniere. I don't know how else more plainly to say it than that. Um, but we, we mentioned this in the mailbag episode. I don't think we would have mentioned Pavel Buchnevich as a realistic trade chip no, once I don't think without so. having number one overall. I don't think we would have mentioned Vitaly Krabsov as a logical trade chip once without having number one overall. Uh, I don't think I, th- those are just conversations we wouldn't have been having because they wouldn't have made any sense. But now you can see a scenario where the Rangers all of a sudden have a bit of an embarrassment of riches when it comes to NHL ready middle six wingers so if you can you can start creating trade scenarios for pieces that would require one of those assets that we weren't going to have like if you told me the rangers could get william nylander for one of buchnevich and kravtsov maybe d'angelo and the carolina first like sure it's an interesting trade scenario to talk about but without having the number one overall pick i don't think any of us consider it no but now it's it's well within the realm of possibility you could ask the question, why would you be trading for another winger? It, well, the answer explains itself. As much as I love Pavel Buchnevich, he's discount William Nylander. You know what's better than having discount William Nylander? Discount William, uh, William Nylander. Yeah, William. Well, by the way, it would still be discount William Nylander. They'd have to eat some of his salary. It would be Who, se- no, yeah, I believe it's $7 wouldn't. million dollars or something like that. I believe it's, yeah, it, it's it has to under. be built in. But yeah. No. You, you, you trade Booch, and that, that itself offsets salaries. Oh, fair, and fair. Again, you're right. You go, you go into the conversations about them not extending Tony D'Angelo, so that's money saved. You go into the conversations about how Mark Stahl, Henrik Lundqvist, and Brandon Smith come off the books in a year, so that's money saved. Like it, the, the Rangers can save future money in just about every trade they make now or in offer sheet worlds for the Matt Farzals. Uh, but these are just conversations we wouldn't have dreamed of having unless the Rangers had the number one overall pick. And now that they do, literally, do you want to talk more Jonas Brodeen trade options? We will. Do you want to talk Hampus Lindholm? Lend home trade options, we will. We're going to make the Twins' lives miserable with these trade scenarios. We're going to make our good friend Matt Estevis, who's coming on the show later today, miserable with trade scenarios. Our friend Arvin is going to come on the show. We're going to make his life miserable with trade scenarios. We're just going to make everybody's life miserable because you know what? We can. That's the beauty of it now, baby. We can do whatever the hell we want. Everything is loaded dice. You're really going into the future with the ability to seriously contend for many, many years. The one thing that keeps coming back to me is when I posted about the 2027 starting lineup and Kako and Lafreniere would be 26 and 25 respectively. That's insane. That is seven years from now. Think about that. Think about where you're going to be seven years from now. I can't even think where I'm going to be tomorrow. That's ridiculous. Probably, probably still in isolation at that yeah, point, I would probably, think. probably, probably. COVID-27? <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and say we have all these different options, right? We mm-hmm. have 
like I said earlier, you have the offer sheet Matt Barzal that is everyone is talking about. The other one that everyone seemingly talked about, and this might also be a little bit of our fault, including most of Rangers Twitter, is the Jack Eichel version of what's going on. And our, our good friend Rick Carpinello poo-pooed seen... it super hard today. Yeah, well, I also – the funny thing is I haven't seen a lot of it recently. I think um, Barzal fever is taking off. It's also the fact that the Islanders are still playing. They're kicking the absolute crap out of the Capitals in the playoffs. Barzal had the beautiful goal last night. Yeah, Barzal's so it's, pretty good, huh? Yeah, Barzal, Barzal is making headlines on the ice, and then we're creating headlines off the ice, which is the way it lives. I Look, the, the great thing about having number one overall is there is 120%, again, a way for the New York Rangers to acquire Jack Eichel if the situation presents itself. Now, would that have situation existed if the Rangers didn't have number one overall? Yeah, I think so, but it would have been hard to see it. Um, but now it it look if the Sabres make them available, the New York Rangers have everything that the Sabres could possibly want and more. Uh, should the New York Rangers do it? It's an interesting debate. I don't I don't know. Else, again, it's it's one of those things. Like, would you rather have Eichel or Barzal? One of them costs you four first round picks and money. The other one costs you other tangible assets that could equate to four first-round picks, but they're not the actual lottery tickets themselves. Um, I'm always going to be just team spend the money, and I'd much rather trade future firsts that don't have any meaning attached to them because while some people look at them at lottery tickets, I'm the kind of guy that looks at the physical lottery as a scam. So it's, you know, I'm okay getting rid of lottery tickets. Not all of them are going to become the number one overall pick. The one, Most of them won't. I wonder if you can protect them too. I'm assuming that it would. No, you cannot in the offer sheet. Correct? That's not an available no, they, option. They they are they are the team's first round draft pick. That's it. it it's that simple. Yeah, I wonder what's going to happen. We're going to have a uh, Matthew Estevis from Raw Charge on in a few. We're definitely going to talk about Anthony Sorelli, who's going to be the what did you say apple of our eye moving forward? Because I really I don't know. I'm still the, the crazy thing is I'm still Team Sergachev. Really? Yeah, I think I'd rather have Sergachev. I wonder if I, now this is this is literally, literally, um, the best of both worlds. Like, there's no wrong answer. Tampa Bay turns mind. out really good team despite how hard really Col- good, Columbus really plays good. them. But the problem with the problem with being as good as Tampa Bay is they've had to pay a lot of people. And the problem with a flat cap is uh, they, the they scenarios in which. No, I don't think it's it's Vasilevsky's fault. I think it's it's not know, his fault. He got his money, but they they didn't see the flat cap coming. Who did? Nobody no, did. but I, I, it, it, you still make that contract with Vass. I think it's the Alex Kalorns, Yanni Gords, and Tyler Johnsons of the world that the, the Lightning were looking at as easy trade chips for them that they now can't move, um, because, I mean, look at what happened last year. They were able to not only were they able to move J.T. Miller, they were able to get a first round pick for him. Imagine trying to trade. Last year's version of J.T. Miller this year. I don't think not only. Not only are you not getting a first-round pick for him, I don't know what team is willing to eat $5 million for a mercurial winger. So the, the, the Lightning made their bed, but the Lightning were confident when that bed was and be- made. And that- before anybody yells at Greg, he said, again, last year's version of JT Miller. Last not, year's not version. Not this not, year's. Not, not, the, not the budding all-star JT Miller that we're now watching this year. I'm talking about the guy who had a hard time staying on the same line with Stamkos and Kucherov. That's the guy that the lightning traded the guy who we were all pretty surprised was able to get a first round pick in trade capital. And even then I, 
there are very smart uh, Canucks people on Twitter who say a first round pick for JT Miller, all things considered, is still seeming like a high price to pay. So it's it's not so much that, uh, you know, it, the ends can justify the means in some situations, but let's, let's not pretend like the Vancouver Canucks probably paid more than they should have to get JT Miller. Happy it worked out for them. I'm sure they think of it more fondly than they would have if it didn't, but they could have gotten JT Miller for cheaper. They didn't. And my point being is the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to have a harder time trying to find that kind of trade for their Alex Kalorns, their Yanni Gords, their Tyler Johnsons, and they might have to make a choice. It might have to be one of Sergeyev and Sorelli. And if you're the New York Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning have to choose one of those two, I think you happily collect the other. And you absolutely have a great relationship with them from the past. Like, you've done a lot of work. Well, I guess the, the front office has sort of changed, right? But how much, really? How much? Well, Breeze Bois was still there. He was there always there. Iserman. Yeah, he was yeah. still there. Stevie Y. Um, definitely. So, I guess that's really it. for, for the, We're going to go over so many trade scenarios over the next couple of weeks. I hope everyone stays tuned for that. Um, yeah, well, and we're going we're gonna to do the thing where it, it – you guys can hear us say the same shit over and over again, but we we understand that our opinion is only so much. So again, th- that's the whole reason why Estevez is on today. We're definitely going to have Evolving Wild back on because I'd like to make their life miserable about Jonas Brodeen. Same. Our also, they're Arvin, uh, uh, Fantastic. I'm sure you'll talk about them. See, no one gives you guys shit when you talk Magic the Gathering. So can I explain I why? Up, because, it's, because no one knows what the hell you're talking about? No, because I do it once... And I stop. (laughs) (laughs) It was a one-time thing. I asked them like, Hey, what's your Snapcaster mage collection like? And they're like, Oh, what? And then, but I don't, those are made up words. You say made up words. I I don't, I'm not looking out the window and being like, wow, I wonder how my uh, red, white, blue deck below my bed is doing right now. Wow. A double. You know what I mean? It's the difference. That's why. I mean, you can if you want to. I'll tune out every time you do. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I keep tuned in. I'm tuned in. I'm here, buddy. Um, what, one more piece of news this week. Chris Drury is uh, interviewing for the Florida Panthers GM job. Your thoughts? Uh, I would like him to stay, it, I mean, but I also clearly, don't know what he's done. Right. There's I, He gets a lot of credit for the turnaround that Hartford – experience this year at the same time he was the gm of hartford the year before too and they were really really bad mm-hmm. so the question is like how much of that turnaround is chris jury how much of that turnaround is actually john davidson stepping in and saying we're going to have a more uh team unified approach to our minor league systems i think chris jury is held in high regard but if i'm chris drury and i'm looking at jeff gorton I'm not seeing a lot more room for growth. So if 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 Florida is going to offer me a full time GM position, I think you have to take it. Yeah, uh, I totally I, agree. I, I think the New York Rangers are better for having Chris Drury. We've never heard anyone say a negative word about Chris Drury, but then again, it's very hard to find people say negative words about just about anyone in the front office. And shit, we, I mean, we have 700 that we could have said about the Dale Talons of the world. I'm mostly bummed that Dale Talon is gone. Uh, I was having this conversation with someone on Twitter today. It's always a bummer when a team let goes of a GM that you think you can take great advantage of. It's always sad. Dumb GMs are so valuable to you. So valuable as a fan. 
Yeah, if Dale Talon was still around, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility to think of Barkov trade scenarios. If Chris, like, it's it as much as we can joke about how maybe Chris Jury goes to Florida does and the, has an the, IOU. Wait, you from mean Jeff like Gordon. the Derek Jeter? Yeah, yeah. Essentially, the Derek Jeter um, goes down, sends Barkov up. We send out some prospects. Yeah, but then Barkov won't be able to stay healthy, and you'll start thinking to yourself, like, is was this deal? Should, we'll we'll start to th- the Rangers will trade for Ekblad when really Barkov goes to Milwaukee. Right. That's that's what will happen. That's what we call the Derek Jeter. Um, yeah, I, I good <laughs> good for Jury mostly. I I don't know. It it's I it is almost impossible to get a read of what any one person does in a front office in the NHL. We just don't know anything. No, we don't. Unlike every other sport, we like when the Red when the Mets were thinking about hiring High and Bloom, we knew everything that motherfucker did for Tampa Bay. We knew it all. We really, uh, we really don't know certain job titles. Uh, like I know what Davison does, and I know what Gorton does. Well, we know we know we know Drury's job title. It's assistant GM and general manager of the Hartford Wolfpack. What we don't know is what the hell does that mean? Right. Like with, in every other sport, we understand the responsibilities of the front office. We don't really understand the responsibilities in the NHL. And hand up, maybe maybe someone is out there that can actually explain to us what. Everyone in the front office is. Do you dust. think this is a great article for our friend and rival podcaster Craig Costens? <laughs> I was going to say if anyone knows it's Shayna, uh, okay. um, the creator yep. of Bench Boss, yes. with our good friend Mike Murphy. Yeah. But I, I know they have an idea of who runs analytic departments in every team's front office. I just I want to sit here and tell you that losing Chris Jury would be. X, Y, and Z for the New York Rangers. But we don't know. I think it's going to hurt because everyone says nice things about him. I honestly don't know, though. It's, I don't, just, it's hard to I replace good you. people and like good synergy no matter what you do at any job. And if there's like a really good connection, even if the work production isn't that great, replacing that is tough. Will the Rangers do it? Yes, they're a world-class organization. Hopefully they have. And somehow Jim Dolan lets them run the way they want. Um, uh, and Davidson's at the helm, and I trust whatever hire he makes. Because he's been, uh, I think he has a resume to back up that he's made great decisions throughout his career. So I'm not really worried about it. Yeah, we don't, we don't really have a reason to be worried. Mm-hmm. But we know that things have been working well with Chris Drury, so we sure wouldn't want to lose him. But again, if I'm putting myself in Chris Drury's shoes, I, I'm getting to a point where I'm feeling like I'm maxing out with the New York Rangers. Because I, it doesn't look like Jeff Gorton's going anywhere anytime yeah, soon. Yeah, what's it's not the like sh- Gorton's what? this older guy? I was about to say, how soon? Uh, uh, let's say everything goes terrible, right? Like everything's the worst, and somehow Gorton just really botches it. What's the soonest he can even get fired? Three well, at years? this point, everything. Well, at this point, everything going terribly for Jeff Gorton. God, it, it's it like what has Jeff Gorton done that you wouldn't want him to have done? I think I guess Jacob Truba is basically it because I think you sign he, Artemi Panarin. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's not like they could have drafted another player than Capocaco. Yep. It's not like they can draft another player than Alexi Lafreniere. Yep. It's I Leas. Like the things that could go wrong is giving Zibanejad too much money, which doesn't seem possible right now. No. Nope. It's the Kreider extension, which he already gets a caveat on because he couldn't have seen the pandemic coming. Right. And it's the Truba extension which he gets a caveat on because, again, you can't see the pandemic coming, and it's only been one year. So, like, the things that Gorton could mess up, it, you can still come up with reasons why it's not exactly his fault. 
Yeah, there are some things you can criticize Gordon on. Let's be let's be totally clear here. There's this is this is not a uh, criticism free of Gorton podcast, no. but you, the, the Shattenkirk buyout comes to mind. Yep. The, uh, I mean, I think the Ryan McDonough trade, of course you got the pieces. And of course we talked about it. Could you have done better? Yes, but it's not something you're going to cry home about every single day. No, it's, it's a trade that they, it's one of the few trades that he clearly lost. Right. And it felt like he lost it the day it was made, but even that trade, you got Niels Lundquist out of it. So you can't say it's a it's a travesty. It's not a total loss. Nils Lucas might be the serious no. part of this team for a very long time. We don't know yet. We're going to find out. And they, they the Rangers are going to keep telling you they like Brett Howden. So the <laughs> Rangers will not if if They're the Rangers you know. walk away from the Rangers again from the Rangers perspective if you're if you're John Davidson and you walk away from the Ryan McDonough trade with Brett Howden and Niels Lundqvist, I'm going to if if I'm him I'm thinking that's a good trade because they have a different opinion than Brett of Brett Howden than we do. So it, it's not even from a, was this trade, like w- they see that trade completely differently than we do. I don't think the New York Rangers consider that trade a loss. I don't think they they clearly, I don't think the Rangers think they clearly won the trade, but from a Rangers perspective, not a Greg Kaplan or Ryan Mead perspective, mm-hmm. I think the Rangers are very happy that they got Brett Howden and Niels Lundqvist in that deal. Yeah, I think so that, you, you could make a fair case. They'll, they'll tell you that. Um, they'll, they'll tell us that. I, and they, Look, they could lie to us, but we know that they like Brett Howden. And John Davidson, you could come on this podcast. You went on six podcasts last week, but you didn't come on the yes. top three podcasts and the only one that's Ranger-centric? It's very strange. Yeah. Makes it, it A little makes weird. Think. Makes uh, you think. It does. Uh, so speaking of which, let's get to five-star questions because we have a guest coming on soon. We have a lot of five-star questions, so we're going to try to speed through these a little bit, all right? I think we. Uh, how many of them met related? Uh, uh, I didn't read through them fully, which is always my favorite thing. But I believe only one from last week. Um, Fantastic. All right. So this is from Chris in Florida. Fantastic job as always. Oh, if you want to leave a five star question, go to iTunes, leave a five star review, we'll read it on the show. That's how it works. Chris in Florida. Now the Rangers have number one over pick. Still can't believe it. Are you worried that the Rangers will mess this up and take Byfield instead of Lafreniere? No, Lafreniere. No. Sorry. Uh, yeah, Spenley is going to be pissed at you. Yeah. Uh, first of all. We live in a world where the only person in the world that you could like what the LA Kings are going to do at two is a mistake. Cause from everything we've been reading recently is that they love this Stolzl kid out of Germany and they're going to take him second overall. That's a mistake. But if like we live in a world where any other draft class, I think Byfield, you're talking about him as a number one overall pick. He just so happens to be in Lafreniere's draft class. I don't think that's Quinton Byfield's fault. I think last year, I think there's maybe he doesn't get number one over Jack Hughes, but I think if he's in Rasmus Dahlin's class, I think there's a conversation. Um, I, I like he gets picked first over Nico Heischer ten times out of ten. Oh, not even a question. Not even a yeah, question. So it's it's it, it's less about. I don't ever want to phrase this conversation as the New York Rangers would be making the wrong pick by taking Byfield. I don't think that's true. I think the New York Rangers in a normal scenario, if they had picked number two would be have so Byfield. pumped to have Byfield on their team. He fills a need. They, yeah. they want to like, it would be so, well, but, it, but that's not even drafting. Like that wouldn't even just be the Rangers drafting for need, right? It's right. not just that the Rangers need someone like Quinton Byfield. It's that you draft someone like Quinton Byfield because he's going to be a game changing player in his own right. Again, it just so happens. Him being the clear number two player in this draft is not an indictment on Quentin Byfield. Let me just go ahead and give merely the LA Kings a little message, Gregory. You can't yeah. teach size. There you go. That's a little scouting for you. I did it. I'm, I'm here to help you. 
Um, I just you under the as good as this draft might be for the New York Rangers, this draft would be a coup for the Ottawa Senators if they come away with Byfield at three. Don't even give a shit who they take at five. Doesn't matter to me. Take whoever the fuck you want. Take Leas Anderson for all I care. But if you get Byfield at three, that's like thanking your lucky stars that an NFL team took Mitch Trubisky before you needed a quarterback. Shout out to the Chicago Bears. Next question is from Grateful Sparks. Hey, guys, love the show. And wow, holy crap, first overall. So in hindsight, do you still do the Kreider extension? If I could redo yeah. it, I still think I do it. Yeah, I do. I think eventually the money's going to come back. Chris Kreider's still going to be around, and you could still trade him in the long term if you really want. You need to have the talent on the team if you want to win a cup. That's it. Yeah, I, I also still think that Kreider gets the money if he hits free agency. So, like, it's not – the Rangers – at the time of the extension, at the day of the extension, we said the New York Rangers saved money on this deal. And I think that's still true. But I think if Chris Kreider, the free agent, hits the open market right now, I think he still finds a way to get $6.5 million. Right. Lindy's, I, I, I think easily. Lindy's Rough asks a similar question. Does this landing laugh make you look less favorably at the Kreider deal? Um, no, it doesn't. I, uh, look, obviously you want to have your, your team spread out. You want to have your money available to, to address your areas of need, center and left-hand defenseman, but that's just not the case. Yeah, I don't regret it. I don't, I don't look at it less favorably. It's still a great contract for Chris Kreider. Chris Kreider can be, if he wants to be, the best player on the ice for seven minutes a game. He legitimately can. We've seen it happen, and that's a player you're going to need to win a cup. I, I don't, I, you, know, you need talent to get there. You either need otherworldly talent, first, second overall picks, or these guys that are absolutely crazy, or you need the same depth, and the Rangers are going are to have that um, with what they have coming up the next couple of years. Yeah, and I would I would look at it from this standpoint. We're you're basically paying two your two middle six. If we're calling Panarin the number one left winger, which we should, we are. You're essentially paying your two middle six left wingers combined total of around seven and a half million dollars for the next three years. Yeah, that's I think most teams would be very happy to have two middle six left wingers at that price. There's also the chance that posi- positionless hockey is becoming a thing. I, there will always be a center and two wingers. But there's no guarantee that Lafreniere is only going to play left wing. Who's yeah. to say he's not going to line up on the right and play on a line with Chris Kreider? That's totally within the realm of possibility, too. The New York Rangers needed wingers. They needed high-impact wingers. And if you got rid of Chris Kreider, even if you had Lafreniere coming in, you'd still need another one. So I'd, it's a lot easier to work from a position of having too much than working from a position of having too little. So I, I, I have no... No reservations about Chris Kreider's extension. I, if the Rangers want to move it tomorrow, I think they can. I, it It's not a worry. It shouldn't be a worry. Don't worry about it. Goalie the goaltender asks, the Rangers are going to have to eat at least $7.5 million in cap space next year from buyouts. Shattenkirk's buyouts is about $6 million total. Oof. Why is no one talking about this when they were talking about offer sheeting Barzal or even when they were talking about offer sheeting Point? Is buying out Stahl or Smith, or Smith on the horizon of JD's or... Or is that, a, is that an option for J.D. or Gordon's construction of the next year's lineup? What do the Rangers' opening line, night lineups look like next year? Trades, extension, buyouts, and all. I, we will get well, specifically, we, have, we have all summer yeah, to talk about lineups, so stick with us. Yeah, but specifically about Shattenkirk, it always confuses me when people say – I've never understood the argument of, well, the Rangers have this $6 million in, in dead space on their cap. Yes, they do. But if they had simply kept Kevin Shattenkirk, it would be more than that. Mm-hmm. So it's not exactly like it, it's like you buy out Kevin Shattenkirk and you're essentially just paying him to remain on your roster for a year that he's not on your roster, which sucks. But it's it's not like it's not like that money was added 
to the balance. It's not like they're paying Shattenkirk twice. It, it, what it means is basically the New York Rangers are going to play an entire year paying Kevin Shattenkirk without having Kevin Shattenkirk, which makes Adam Fox all the much more valuable because he basically becomes the fill-in for Kevin Shattenkirk. Mm -hmm. If you just look at that as the Rangers paying Adam Fox $6 million next year, you're not really worried about it, are you? Just think of it. Start thinking about it that way. Change the way you look at that Kevin Shattenkirk dead cap space and just call that cap space Adam Fox. You'll feel a lot better about it, and we can start having more constructive conversations about the Rangers should and shouldn't do. Now, would that cap space, should that cap space stop the New York Rangers from ever offering an offer sheet? Why would it? It's going away. It's one year. You think I'm worried about it? I'm, the Rangers, as it is right now, have about $13 million in cap space. It almost doubles if Henrik Lundqvist decides to retire. So I'm not going to worry about whether they're paying Kevin Shattenkirk or not next year for why I'm going to offer an offer sheet. Yeah, That doesn't make a whole lot of sense You'll figure it out for Matt Barzal. You'll figure it out. If that was yeah. the case, by the way. You figure it out for Jack Eichel, too. And you're going to figure it out. You, you'd figure it out for Anthony Sorelli. You'd figure it out for Mikhail Sergachev. You'd figure it out for Jonas Brodin. You'd figure it out for William Nylander. You'd figure it out for really good players. It's not like the New York Rangers bought out Kevin Shattenkirk so they could hire another Brendan Smith. Like, they did it to get Panarin and Truba. And now they, like, that money's going away in a year. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Not gonna, it's not going to keep me up at night. Uh, why, why so real 22 or so why sork real something like that hey guys we'll look at that 2021 free agent defenseman and notice that Dougie Hamilton is at the top of the list with all the cast space the Rangers are going to be freeing up that summer is there any shot the Rangers might take a run at him uh, another right-handed defenseman yeah I, I so. do believe so yeah yeah I mean we're we're having conversations let me put it this way if the Rangers decide to sign Dougie Hamilton fantastic you make it work uh, but I don't think I don't think Dougie Hamilton will be the prime target. Agree. I think they're going to be looking at a lot of different options that year. Now, uh, right? Ryan, if uh, let yes. me let me hold on. Okay. While I'm thinking, I have I'm another five star gonna... question here. While we do this, I'm not going to hold read... on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, okay, I don't. Okay. I don't want to change. I don't want to change subjects just okay, yet. Okay. I, okay. I, I, I want to do a quick Google search of something. Yes. And then I'm going to say the name. Okay. And then we can move on. All right. All right. But okay. allow me to do the quick Google search first. I, I'm here for you. No dead air. That's what we do. No uh, dead Charlie air. Charlie McAvoy. Charlie McAvoy also shoots right handed. Yep. Well, that's a bummer. Yeah, I know. All right. Um, next question. Next, This five-star question is from a bunch of ca characters that I'm not going to read. It's like HWCTs and the 16 other characters. Great episode as always. My question is, does the offense uh, does the offense that Laugh adds make TDA's value go down? That much more considering his biggest pro is his offense abilities. I, don't, I didn't have much of a problem including in some of the Strom, Strom trades, etc. And now I definitely don't mind it. I think the fact is that you're looking at the long term here, and I don't think Lafreniere or Lafreniere. Sorry, I keep doing it. Lafreniere makes TDA go down. I think it's. I'm gonna. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give Spenley uh -huh. your Venmo account. Yeah. And he's gonna charge you a dollar every oh time. Oh my you god, Lafreniere, Lafreniere, Lafreniere. Um, I I think that's not really gonna be a, an issue for Lafreniere, or that's not re really why the reason we that doesn't make TDA's value less. The problem is that we have you have a plethora of good right-handed defensemen and two of them are already on the squad, one more is coming, which makes Tony D'Angelo possibly and both, both expendable. Both of them have offensive pedigrees in their own right. Right. And Tony D'Angelo is a good trade chip. He played well this year. Doesn't matter what you think of the guy. He had a great season. So if you could trade him while the value's high, you might as well check that out. I mean, you could even see Vince talk about it today and Tony responded on Twitter. So um yeah, Tony, Tony needs to get offline. He needs to live an offline lifestyle, but he never will because he's just not that smart. It's that simple. Um, 
Yeah, I no, I don't think Tony D'Angelo's offensive value to the New York Rangers will not decrease because Lafreniere is on the roster. If anything, it'll increase because the more you have puck moving defensemen, the more you can feed your high scoring offensive players. So it's it's not like it's not like Tony D'Angelo all of a sudden will not be a factor offensively for the New York Rangers. The reason why you think about trading off Tony D'Angelo are the exact reasons you brought up. It's the fact that he's mm-hmm. redundant. It's the fact that the New York Rangers don't necessarily have a need for or want to move someone that shoots right-handed to the left-handed side of the defense. So you can't even optimize uh, D'Angelo's on-ice contributions if you're the New York Rangers. It's the fact that regardless of how many points he points puts up and they're quite a lot of them. Uh, unless you have a trustworthy left-handed defensive partner for Tony D'Angelo, it's going to be hard to survive with him on the ice on a 81, 82 game season basis, let alone in the playoffs. Uh, we, you saw what a not 100% Tony D'Angelo was able to do against a competent offensive unit like the Carolina hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Um, it would, I, I personally would prefer an upgrade defensively from that especially if that is my third most important right-handed defenseman and the two defensemen I have playing before him aren't exactly slouches offensively. Um, so I totally agree. I don't think Lafreniere, I don't Lafreniere mm-hmm. does not I, I, almost, almost Lafreniere does not impact Tony D'Angelo's on ice uh, abilities at all. It does not decrease his value. The everything that decreases Tony D'Angelo's value is everything we've already been talking about even before the Rangers got the number one overall pick. Still have so many five-star questions here. Let's just keep going. Uh, this is from Praise Be Laugh. Hey, Ryan and Greg, long-time listener. First time asking a question. I'm a Ranger fan from Canada. Shout-out to you. Love the podcast. Keep the great work. My question is, now that we have Panarin and Laugh as our first two left-wingers, do we trade Kreider with Strom or D'Angelo for a second-line center? Kreider, now, now he's even more trade value in his contract, is known for as a term. A team would be willing to give up more for him. I'm not sure that's the case. A lot of people are going to have really terrible cap situations moving forward. Teams, I'm sure, would want Chris Kreider, but he does have an 11-team no-move tra- no movement cause. Um, so I don't think Kreider gets traded, and they really like him. I don't think they... I, I I know that Greg had a very, very good rant on this podcast recently about the they really like them, and that doesn't matter. But I feel like Chris Kreider might be an exception, and I'm probably wrong. I, I just um, think they like the talent, and I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah, I, I think with Kreider specifically, they like the talent. And there may come a day where the New York Rangers want to move on from Chris Kreider. But it's not this year. They had plenty of oppor- they had plenty of opportunities to do it last year and they didn't do it. They extended him. And now I can't imagine the Rangers can save money elsewhere. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Sweet 13 asks, okay, you guys have me buying in. You said the Isles have 8.1, so all we have to do is offer Barzal 8.2, and there's nothing the Islanders can do about it. So what? So do we trade Strom and D'Angelo at the draft alone, or maybe our second or first rounder for young th- uh, young left defenseman? And would that who would that be? And who's your dream guys? Lindholm is uh, Lindholm is your is the Hampus, right? That's the one you would really want the most. I don't. I yeah. feel I feel like that's kind I, of been I made really, up online. I really love Jonas. I really love Jonas Brodeen. Uh, mm. I know the name isn't as sexy as Lindholm, but I, I've I've been a big Brodeen guy. Um, the funny thing is, I think we've been talking about Lindholm as on this podcast as long as we've been talking about Truba. So it, it would we be have. funny if Full finally come home. Oh, yeah, we um, have. But I, let me put it this way. Uh, if you really want – do not make the mistake the Montreal Canadiens made with Sebastian Ajo when you're offer sheeting Matt Barzal. Just because the Islanders only have a shade over $8 million in cap space, if you really want Barzal, you have to offer 11 because 
the Islanders can find a way to open up a couple hundred thousand dollars in space. Yeah, all they'll figure it out. Buy out someone. Yeah, all you have to do is buy out someone like Cal Clutterbuck. That money becomes available. What do you, if you really want to offer sheet Matt Barswell, you have to make it so the Islanders can't just buy themselves out of the situation. You have to make it so they have to give up tangible assets to other teams to take contracts to then keep Barzal. That's why it's called the poison pill. You have to make it, you have to make keeping Barzal so financially difficult and untenable that you can't do it. And th- that's, that's why if you're talking Barzal, I'm, I, in my mind, it, it's not, it's no lower than 11 and a half. It's more likely in the neighborhood of 12 and a half. If I want to offer sheet him and the Rangers would have to make up some space on in their own right. So it, it's not exactly like a slam dunk deal. I don't want anyone to think that I'm betting every cent that I own on a Matt Barzal offer sheet. But, but I just want to make this point very clear. If you offer sheet, offer sheet Matt Barzal, you have to offer sheet big. Do not go 8.2. Do not go 8.5 because the Islanders, not only, not only do the Islanders match that, they thank you for it because now they don't have to worry about giving him another extension in the next five years. So – Remember, yeah, they send you a gift you're talking card offer sheet for sure. Yeah, and they'd probably send us a gift card too for even bringing it up. I know. So Thanks, if you're guys. going to offer sheet, if you're going to offer sheet Barzal, you have to go top dollar. You have to make it so the Islanders have to do difficult things to make it happen. All right. That's the only way it works. Five more. Uh, te- Temple of La Friend, your thoughts? Truly average. The average Kahuna. Like, I guess it's like the. Temple- the, the, the rival to Church of Chicago that we keep hearing about. Um, I don't think Lafreniere will Marlins be... are so bad. Yeah, Mets update. Um, I don't think the Lafreniere, the Temple of Lafreniere will be happening as the Capope uh, and the person that was uh, a foundation in building Church of Chicago. I think he'll be possibly joining and teaming up with Kako. I don't want to... I don't like to compete against yourself. I keep seeing all these people that are like, Temple of Lafreniere? I see somebody that's trying to be the Pope of Lafreniere. You just can't do it twice. There's only one one thing that's magic, and that's Kako himself. Now, will Lafreniere have something else in mind? Yes. What that is is yet to be seen. Now, will, will we have items connected to Lafreniere available in the church? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Stay tuned. Uh, but I, all I'm saying... All I'm saying is... Uh, the temple works so much better with Byfield. That's, that's all I'm going to say. That's it. Um, this is from King555. Ryan and Greg, sup? Long-time listener to the pod. You, two, you guys crack me up every week. Thoughts on trading for Brodeen? Okay, there you go. Or offer sheeting Sorelli? We're going to get into that in a second, so stay tuned. I know that Greg is set on uh, offer sheeting Barzal, and we got some cap restraints for that. Both Sorelli and Brodeen are great defensively, which is something this team has no concept of. I agree well, with Brodeen, that. Yeah, Brodeen is the dream left-handed defenseman pair for someone like Jacob Truba. I can't think of anyone that would work better on a first D pairing with Truba than Jonas Brodeen. Uh, Anthony Sorelli is a center. We're going to talk a, a whole load about him with uh, Esteves. He's, he's what they call a 200, 200 foot hockey player. He's responsible in all three zones. He's a guy the Rangers could put on their first penalty kill unit. And you, you can have him on that unit for the next Five plus years, never even think twice about it. Uh, all while providing you offensive productivity on the level of a Ryan Strom, no questions asked. So, it from a team building standpoint, the New York Rangers would be great having one of Sorelli or Brodine on their team. It'd also be great having Barzal or Sergachev or Lindholm. That these are all things that would make the Rangers great. That's why we talk about them. 
And that's what's fun. That's what's fun about right now is being a Ranger fan. Three more questions. Nick Tapola asks, did you guys like the Lemieux and Fast? Do you guys think, rather, that Lemieux and Fast would be willing to accept cheaper deals to resign in New York? Obviously, the flat cap hurts their chances of a big payday somewhere else, but I wonder if New York at, are at some point where the role players are willing to take less to be part of something great, like a dynasty. Fingers crossed. Also, Greg, could you speak to both Sorelli and Sergeyev into existence? Thanks. Um, yeah, we're trying to do that. I think that right. Foss might be back because the payday might not be there for them, for him, rather. I think. I don't think the payday is going to be there for Lemieux either. Yeah. Honestly. I think Lemieux might go uh, elsewhere, I, but I don't think Foss. I think Foss well, might go back. He's a restricted free agent. Where the hell is he going? Exactly. That too. Um, um, I, I was going to no, say. No one's going to give up a tangible asset for Brandon Lemieux on an offer sheet. Yeah, nobody. We're good. Um, yeah. But here's the. With, with Foss, I, I think Foss is going to be a victim of the market. Uh, he clearly loves it in New York, and Which New York sucks, clearly loves him. Yeah, they again, love him. They love him. Right. The, like, the Rangers extended Chris Kreider at the deadline, which is why they didn't trade him. They just chose not to do anything with Jesper Faust, which was something that we were prepared for because, again, we think the New York Rangers value Faust more than other teams would in a trade. And if you're going to value him that highly, just ride it out with him and see if you can resign him after the season. I, I think Faust is going to be a victim of, of the flat cap. So I think there's a chance Voss comes back on a very similar contract to the one that he's currently playing on with the Rangers. With Lemieux, you, Lemieux does one good thing. He draws penalties. Outside of that, I'm tired of Brandon Lemieux. He's not a guy I would invest in. He's not a guy I would make a point to have on my fourth line. If he's here, he's fine. If he's gone, he's fine. Um, so I would Lemieux take less money to stay in New York? I think Lemieux is going to take less money because I don't think anyone's ever going to really pay him. Yeah, unless he turns something into some ridiculous offensive player that we haven't really seen yet. Yes, his ability to draw penalties is very nice, but there's nothing that Lemieux does that I think is truly special currently. And there's a lot of guys no, out there that are going to be comparable to Lemieux that are available in the free agent market right now. He, he draws penalties and plays with a quote-unquote edge, but he's defensively irresponsible and he's not exactly good offensively. So With you. It's, it's nice. To be fair, though, I will say this. Good NHL teams, just like good every other sports team, the guys that fill, up, fill out your lineups, all they have to do is be good at one thing to be useful, right? Like your bench players in baseball, if they can hit home runs, that's all they have to do. That's it. In basketball, if you have a guy who can jack threes and do nothing else for 10 minutes a night, fine. He's the ninth man on your roster. It ain't that big of a deal. Brendan Lemieux does one good thing which means he's perfect for fourth lines in the NHL. The other thing about fourth lines is never pay them. So Brandon Lemieux will be a fine Ranger until the day he asks for more money, and then he won't be a New York Ranger anymore. Couldn't agree more. Two more. Shy Weinstein asks, how you guys doing? Thanks. We're doing good. Uh, big fan of the show. Love the idea of offer sheeting Barzal. We do too. How would that work in terms of salary cap? If we sign Barzal, will we be able to re-sign Zabinajad and Heedle? Um, I believe with all the money coming off, we'd still have the ability to sign at least Sabinajad and definitely Heedle because the two summers from now, we have a ton of money available. Now that's yeah. still, that, books, books that, open up as soon as Lundquist, Stahl and Smith are off the books and Shattenkirk's off the books too. Again. Yes. So we'll have the ability to do that. We just won't be able to do this big free agent signing that, that might be rumored out there right now, but we could keep the team together. I'm not worried about that. Is it reasonably ner- reasonable to be nervous that Quinn, love for Howden will limit his development of other prospects, which could have high ceilings. We actually saw this this year. He, he mentions particularly Gauthier and Kravstov. We we saw this this year. Howden was just getting playing time over Leah Anderson. And maybe maybe Howden des- 
deserved it over Leah Sanderson. That's what they saw. He deserved it over Leah Sanderson. But Leah was playing on the fourth line, and Howden got in the third line. Leah was picked seventh overall, and Howden was acquired in a trade. Just that's what it was. So was there was that a little bit of a? Is there a reason to be nervous about that? Yeah, just a little bit for sure. But I don't think in the future we're going to have to worry about any prospects, especially because it's it's Lop that's coming. Um, Brett, Brett Howden holding them down. Well, actually. Brett Howden might be the center, please, for Loff. So we'll see. Maybe he'll be a 100-point scorer with Lafreniere. So who knows? Lafreniere. Fuck. Got to get mad at a dollar. Um, yeah, I, I'm not worried. I'm, I'm choosing. I'm going to just – I'm not going to worry about Brett Howden this offseason. That's all I'm doing. Same. Last question. Then we get to our, our friend Matthew Estevez. Hey, guys. Congrats on being the number three hockey podcast in the United States. This is from Dylan Crunkin, by the way. I really like the idea that you guys have brought up an offer shooting Sorelli, Sergachev, and Barzal. Getting one of those is top three wish list summer. However, I was wondering what you guys would think about trading for an under-the-radar left-handed defenseman like Brodine. Ha! Ah, under the radar, Greg. I feel like the package of Strom, Carolina First, and Henderson could get it done. What do you guys think? Uh, I don't think it's going to be under the radar because we're going to talk about it a lot. A lot. A lot. I, I, don't, I don't think it will cost... The, you know, remember how I said um, it's always a bummer when a front office is no longer one you can take advantage of? Yep. I'm not convinced that the Minnesota Wild are a team you, you can't take advantage of right now. I think I think they are prime to be taken advantage of. And Brodine is a year away from unrestricted free agency. Maybe he does something to say along the lines of, uh, Bill Guerin, fuck you, I'm never signing with you. I'm leaving after this year no matter what. So maybe you can try to get him even – cheaper than market value. Uh, I think that package could work. I'm sure the twins wouldn't want it. I think you could package the Carolina first and Tony D'Angelo. You can do a whole lot of things to get Jonas Brodeen, none of which are going to cost you an arm and a leg. Uh, And I think the New York Rangers would be very smart to have the Minnesota wild on the phone, but this is also why I wanted the Rangers to trade for Zucker and the penguins did, but the penguins uh, are going to blow it up too. So maybe the Rangers can still get them. Who knows? Uh, and that's it. He uh, actually has a Mets question at the end here. I'll have you answer this in under 30 seconds. Uh, what do you think of the opinions of the Mets fans that Rosario should be traded because of Jimenez's outburst, I guess? The reason you trade Ahmed Rosario has nothing to do with uh, Andres Jimenez and has everything to do with how highly you think of Ronnie Mauricio. But the problem is Ronnie Mauricio is 20. He hasn't played above Columbia, which is low A. So you're. I'm not going to worry about Ahmed Rosario trades this year. I'm not going to worry about them next year. You want to talk to me in 2022? Sure. I think that's a perfectly fine conversation to have. Okay. Let's get to our good friend, Matthew Estevez. But first, let's hear from some of our lovely sponsors. Sure, the regular season is fun and all, but only one thing compared to the excitement of the basketball playoffs, and that's having skin in the game with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Basketball has made its way through the regular season, and now it's time to crown a champion, and DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you at the center of the action. To celebrate basketball's first round of the playoffs, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you an amazing free bet offer. For every day that you bet at least $20 in basketball, DraftKings Sportsbook will give you a $10 free bet. Head to the app right now and check out all they have to offer, including player props, quarter-by-quarter, betting, and so, so much more. Plus, don't forget about hockey playoffs. DraftKings Sportsbook is offering great odds and promotions all week long to help you make it rain. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable betting app, and you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code QUICK when you sign up, and for a limited time, all users can get $10 free bet when placing a bet of $20 
or more on all first-round playoff action. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out by offering $10 free bet when placing a $20 bet or more on all first-round playoff action. Again, that's promo code QUICK. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey only. Other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for detailed gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back to the show. Hey, we're back with our guest today. We have Matthew Estevez of Raw Charge. He covers the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's been covering them all season, and we've had him on a million times, including the day that uh, Ryan McDonough was traded to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Matthew, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good, boys. How about you? We um we got the first overall pick, so things have been good. But you know, we also uh, got our asses kicked by the Carolina Hurricanes. That was terrible. But you know, first overall pick makes up for it, I guess. Um, how's everything going covering the Lightning? It's going fine for the most part. Um, it's still really weird doing this whole like zoom stuff it's really strange because um considering i'm, I'm kind of now used to going to the locker room and talking to the players and stuff like that mm-hmm. so that's um it's still weird dealing with that uh but hey i don't have to get dressed up and go to the game every single time so that's a relief to a certain extent there's a little bit of uh that's the only silver lining i can imagine is there another one hiding in there huh is there another silver lining hiding in there i, th- I can believe that's the only one that's really the real thing is you don't have to get dressed or put a suit on I mean, no, that's really it. Yeah. Uh, besides, like the whole Zoom thing, like yeah, when, really when tell, tell us, Matt, when's the last time you wore pants? Pants? I yeah. mean, yeah. I do go out, but you're in Florida. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're... Right. I forgot. All right. You you live in a state where the rules don't apply. Yeah, the rules don't apply in this state. Got it. The state's ass backwards. Makes sense. Good old Florida. All right. Uh, I guess we have to ask you first before we get into what we're really brought you on on to talk about, which is really. Trading for Anthony Sorelli or Sergachev, you know what's going on here. Um, what was covering the overtime game like? Because I took a run oh. at around 5 p.m. and then I played badminton for two hours and I came back and they were still playing. As a person who's literally covering the team and you're working the entirety of it, um, and I'm assuming your head was sort of spinning, what was the experience like being like, oh my God, they've been playing since 3 o'clock, it's 9 o'clock? I literally did not get ba- get up out of my chair for like six and a half hours literally did not get up and move at all like i had somebody else grab me food and bring it to me um that's how that's how invested i was in that game and that was just if you had told me before that game happened that i will be a part of the fourth longest nhl playoff game ever and the longest since 03 i'd call you batshit crazy but like it didn't really hit until like after like halfway halfway through the third overtime when there was just like Tampa was just literally shelling Junus Corposalo and he was just defend just blocking everything. I'm just sitting there going, I'm like, we're really gonna go like four or five deep in this because this man is just not having nothing beat him. And when Columbus gets in our zone, they're not generating much. So it's just like it's literally whenever Corposalo breaks. And then it was some fluky freaking shot out of nowhere from point that beats him high. And I'm like, did the game did the game really just end? What? It was such a strange ending, too, because it bounces off another player on the Blue Jackets. He's dazed, skating around in a circle, and then points like, I guess I'll take this puck. He just just flings it. He just grabs it and flings it, and I'm like, that's the shot that beats him? Literally, out of everything else we've thrown at this man, all 88 shots and 174 attempts at his face, that's the one that beats him. And I was like, I was stunned for a second. Everyone else around was cheering, and I was like, that's the one? Really? Like? Whatever, I'll take it. What uh, what number overtime did you start asking yourself? Is there a better way we can handle overtimes in the playoffs? None. Is it number three? Never. 
You didn't think of it once. Nope. I like that about yeah, you, look, Matt. Look, I like that about look, you. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, all right? Anyone thinking about anything when it comes to playoff overtime is just full of themselves, all right? They're just trying to create noise. These playoff rules have been like this for forever, and it's never been a problem. It's literally never been a problem, and there's a reason why it was so crazy that this game was the fourth longest game ever. It's the first time this something like this has happened since like 03, because most games do end within the first or second overtime, possibly even the third. It's once you get to the fourth when it gets oh god, this is like this is something serious. But like, it's not like it's happening so consistently, you know. Like again, this was the first overtime to go that far since 03, and it was only two minutes away from being the third longest overtime of all time, of all time, you know. And it's just like, I, I think there's just an overreaction and people are just complaining to complain on that one. Like, leave the overtime rules alone. They're fine. Like, don't do the whole, oh, reduce the four players, then three players, or throw more pucks. That's stupid. I, Stop it. It's playoff hockey. I will, I will say, I am, I am all the way in on the first overtime being five on five, the second overtime being four on four, and the third overtime being an untimed three on three until someone fucking wins. Like, that is more than fine by me. That sounds great. I'm good with Matt. I would be rooting from, for a third overtime. From an from a from a pure entertainment, yeah, pure entertainment perspective, I completely get where you're coming from, Greg. However, given that the NHL is so steadfastly dogmatic about their adherence to quote unquote tradition, um, they very much want NHL playoff games to be ended by playing actual hockey. And a lot of people will devalue that once it goes to four on four and three on three and say, oh, that's not real hockey. Because we're already getting that argument now when it comes to overtime and regular season, even though it's still better than just going straight to the shootout. I hate um, I, I do anyone, believe anyone they, I do believe, shootout, I hate them. I do believe that um, if they are going to change any overtime rules, they need to change the regular season, season overtime rules to be like a 10-minute three on three. Because there's way too many teams out who are just sitting back for five minutes and just not allowing anything to happen. I'm like, that kind of defeats the purpose. Like, 10 minutes, I feel like, should be enough for a good team or something to freaking happen in three on three. So that way it's just, you know, because you want to just, you want to mitigate the chances of things going to a shootout as much as possible. Because a shootout's not hockey. That's just nonsense. And I still don't like the way that the IA, that the um, international way handles that type of stuff. Um, but if they're going to change anything for overtime, change it for the regular season. Make it like 10 minutes of three-on-three three and then go to your shootout. But the playoffs, leave it the hell alone. I'm with you on the playoffs. Um, what, do, what do you think of this Tampa team? Before Again, before we get to what we really brought you on for, Tampa's now up 3-1. Um, this team has been has always had problems with the Columbus, well, maybe not always, but seemingly last year fighting off the demons that is the Columbus Blue Jackets. How has this series looked for Tampa, and what do you think about their prospects moving forward? They've dominated this series every game. Today was the first game they actually didn't control it extensively. Columbus actually controlled it, but we kind of expected that because Columbus, you know, their backs are against the wall. They're down 2-1. They lose this. They're really against the wall. So Columbus came out the way we expected them to. But, I mean, even entering this series, I said Tampa in six or seven because I firmly believe, like I did last season, that Tampa was the better team. Columbus got hot at the right time, and they also had enough skill players to actually counteract uh, Tampa's, but Tampa also didn't adjust. Tampa has adjusted every single period to what to what uh columbus is doing to them um because especially earlier in today's game because early in today's game columbus was back to their old tricks from last season where they were super aggressive on their forecheck with their f1 going in deep and their f2 trying to cut off one passing lane and trying to funnel tampa into one area it worked for about half a period almost a full period because the first period tampa really wasn't that sharp second period tampa came out and absolutely stomped them for the first half of the period where they scored two goals real uh real quick um 
and then the rest of the game was more of a back and forth affair because Columbus was really trying. But biggest problem with Columbus is they just don't have the firepower to keep up with a team like Tampa. It's one thing with Toronto, but I mean, the line that's murdering Columbus right now is the third line for Christ's sake of Tampa, which is Blake Coleman, Yanni Goudreau, and Barclay Goodrow, two new guys they brought in, and Yanni and uh, Yanni Gord. And it's like the first line's still doing great. The second line's getting the task of handling Dubois, and they've done a I mean, they're not driving play as much as they should, but they are limiting how much damage he's doing. Um, but Tampa is just a deeper and better team than Toronto ever was. And if anyone thought otherwise, they're being a complete homer to Toronto, disrespecting Tampa in general, and not respecting how well-structured Columbus is. Because that's the biggest thing that helps Columbus, is they are one of the most fundamentally sound teams when it comes to their structure. The problem is, when you're getting shellacked the way they've been getting shellacked overall in this series, shot through the shot makers and expected gold metrics and all that type of stuff, there's only so long before your goaltender is going to return to what he was, which Corpusal has been nothing more than an average goaltender at best at the NHL level, and he's just been otherworldly in the playoffs. And at some point, that's going to crack. It's not like Carey Price, you know, like you know what Carey Price can do. So if Carey Price steals multiple series, you're not that surprised because it, it's Carey Price, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it just comes out. Like, I feel like I feel like that's an attack. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and just take this Carey Price conversation and not not assume that it's an attack. What? What do you mean? We should on attack Carey on Price. Who? We should on Carey Price he's, a lot in this show. And he stinks. stinks. I'm tired of the NHL he, being afraid of Carey Price all he, the time. He proved us wrong Get pretty hard in the first round. So there you I go. Mean, I mean, he quite literally said, "No, Pittsburgh, you will not pass." Yes, he very much did. Um, and, he, and, he might, and he might pull it off against Philly out of too. That series. I don't care what anyone says. Pittsburgh they lost the series out. on their own. They were checked out to a certain extent, but man, Carey Price was like, "Nope." Incredible. Uh, nope. Great. Before I, final final in the moment lightning question for me, uh, and this is blame this on ignorance, blame this on me being kind of out of the loop when it comes to Tampa Bay Lightning. Are we expecting Stamkos back at any point during these playoffs? Or is that Man, if I knew that, I would have said something by this point. But this organization has been a absolute black hole when it comes to injury information, aside from its upper body, its lower body, um, from the entire time that Steve Eiserman took over to now. Um, they don't say anything at all. So he'll show – and Cooper said it best because we kept asking him over and over and over in the medium zoo. He's, he's like, I'll tell you when he's ready. And I, we're just like, okay, like cool. at first, at, at first we were told he might, he should be a participant, but he ended the camp didn't do that. Besides some power play stuff that he, they, then they said he should play at some point in the round Robin didn't do that. Didn't even get close said game one of the playoffs. He should be okay. Didn't happen. We haven't heard a word since. So it's very much just like, all right, dude, just tell us when he's ready. Thanks. You're not going to say anything. It's, ugh, it's frustrating. Um, but it is what it is. Greg, I'm going to let you do the honors in this one. These are your things that you're trying to manifest. <clears throat> yes, thank you. Matthew, Matthew, my good friend, my dear friend. Uh, I think it's, it, it's, it's beautiful that the first time the three of us ever had a conversation, it was mere minutes after the New York Rangers and Tampa Bay Lightning con- concluded a trade that sent JT Miller and Ryan McDonough down to Tampa Bay. And at the time, these two kids from New York merely assumed that this meant a man by the name of Mikhail Sergachev was coming to the New York Rangers. Now, that didn't come to be. That didn't come to pass. But that doesn't mean it'll never happen. As you know, Matt, the Tampa Bay Lightning are in a bit of a salary cap pinch coming up this offseason. 
before we go into I like how diplomatic he's being with this. Yeah, I, yeah well, I'm trying to be as nice as humanly possible. Uh, I have to deal with Ryan all the time. So every now and then I get my practice in. First things first. If there wasn't a flat cap, I think the three of us would not be having this conversation because we would be pretty confident the Tampa Bay Lightning would be able to just figure it out like they always do and trade the pieces they need to trade to teams that for some reason are willing to help the Tampa Bay Lightning. But now that we live in this flat cap world, is it possible for the Lightning to pay both Sorelli and Sergachev? The only way that's happening is if they move substantial salary. And that's at least, in my opinion, two players who are already making between four and change to five million and change. There has to be a substantial board, Johnson, Palat. At least one to two of those guys has to be shifted. Um, Thankfully, they have Coleman and Goodrow at cheap contracts for at least another year after this. Um, but it's going to be difficult. But it also depends on you know what the players are going to ask for. I mean, there's been ballparking all over the place with what Cervelli's going to ask. There's been ballparking what Sergeyev's going to ask. Um, the only thing I know for sure is that both players want to stay. Um, whether that will happen or not, I have no idea. Uh, it's literally nothing but speculation at this point. But it's entirely possible for Tampa to keep them both. But the only way it's going to happen is if they move players. They have no choice but to move players, and they have to move those middle six guys, which is why we put out a piece, I think, earlier this week. No, 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 not earlier this week. It was uh, last week about what's considered a success for the Lightning in this postseason, and I said at a minimum you have to make the cup final. Minimum. Like, if you don't make the cup final, it's a failure because there's going to be substantial roster movement in, um, in the middle part of this lineup. I mean, the points are going points going nowhere. Kucherov's going nowhere. Stankos is going nowhere. Hedman's going nowhere. McDonough's going nowhere because no one's going to take that damn contract. Um, you know, so that leaves a lot of the middle guys, the Andre Palats, the Tyler Johnsons, the um, Yanni Gores, the Alex Kalorans. Now, Alex Kaloran makes the easiest sense since he gets a uh, partial no-trade clause now instead of a full no-trade clause um, once the season is over. But his contract is also the best one because he's making four and change compared to the other guys who are all making five and change. So it's like uh, it's unsure. And there's also the possibility that Tampa might just hold on to Tyler Johnson and just expose him for Seattle to take because that's just a narrative waiting to write itself. Johnson goes home to, you know, bring in the inauguration of the Seattle Kraken. Um, but also, I mean, losing, losing any of those guys is going to be is going to hurt regardless, but they have to keep those two. Sorelli is going to be a legit center. He already is a logistic. What am I talking about? He's going to be a really good player in this league for a long time. And Sergachev's already the second best defenseman on this team. You can't let that go. Like, you just cannot. Um, and if that means one of those middle guys got to go or like a Chernak's got to be, you know, a Chernak's got to like take a lot less money, then that's, that's what happens. Um, but it's all up in the air and it's going to get really, really messy uh, contract wise, I think, because there's going to be so much like, oh, he can move or he can move or he can move. Um, and it's not just us that's in cap crunch. It's every team's in the cap crunch in some capacity that's been spending up there. So it kind of um, ruins plans that they set up before with long term contracts and it's going to cause a lot of issues. It, from, from an entertainment standpoint, it's going to be fascinating, in, from, in my opinion. Um, but it's going to be real messy for teams like us uh, or other cap teams without the throughout the league. Well, let's 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 put the gun to the head right now. If you had to choose one, who are you keeping? Who I, well, I, I keep them both. There is no choosing one. I refuse to answer I, that. I'm keeping yeah, both. Yeah, yeah, hey, our podcast, our rules, baby. You got to choose one. 
You got to um, choose one because when I start tagging you in posts about the other guy, I need to say that I have, oh my I have evidence that you would rather one over the Again, other. Again, I would like to point you're, out you're this not, is Greg manifesting. I'm, I'm just you're, here hanging you're out. Not, you're not getting that out of me. I want both of them. There's no picking between either one of them. They're both fantastic. Oh, All right, then you, you'd rather not. You'd rather have Sergachev, and you're going to be cool if Sorelli leaves. That's our, what I'm our, headline, our headline grab with Matthew Estevez is not working out. Good God. Did you see the score of the Colorado-Arizona game? Yeah, it's just... I saw it was 4-1 when we started. 7-1. What? <laughs> Colorado's pretty good, huh? <laughs> they bludgeoned them to death. Yes, they did. Uh, they turned out to be a good team. They might win, try to win the Cup if uh, Tampa Bay doesn't do it. I think I think that my finals currently would be Tampa Bay versus the Avalanche. I, Colorado's I terrifying. <laughs> Colorado is legitimately terrifying. Yeah, you better hope if you're, a, if you're a Tampa Bay fan out there that they get somehow eliminated before you get there if you do. Because um, that's a team nobody should want to play right now. No. Um, so we can't make you choose to which one. He already, choo- he already chose. All right. By not choosing, he's saying he'd rather get rid of Cirelli. That's what, the way it works. What would, <laughs> what would the Lightning be looking for in a package like that if you if you had to guess? Obviously, you're not part of the front office, but you were around the team a lot. I mean, if it's Cirelli, I'm leveraging a first-round pick, um, an actual NHL-ready prospect, um, and, some other, and, and some other pieces thrown in, and I'm not talking have, about some like number two guys. I'm talking, I'm talking like a, a legit guy who's gonna play. For Sergachev, I probably crank it up even more because it, a guy like him, you can't, you can't replicate that in any way. Um, Sergachev, I'm cranking the price up. Like I'm cranking, like I'm talking a first round. I'm talking a first round pick, maybe even another first round pick, and you know maybe a lesser prospect for that. But even still, like it's, it's a lot. It's gonna be a lot. I'm asking for both of them. Do you, do, as someone that's interacted with these guys, and obviously Ryan and I have not, um, do you see any scenario where either of them accepts an offer sheet? Or is this purely going to be the Brisebois pulls all three of them in the room at the same time and says, look, we love you both. We need you both to understand that we can't keep you both. So we have one contract here. One of you is going to sign it. The other one we're going to have to trade. Fight to the death. <laughs> he's he's doing everything in his power to make me choose. <laughs> you already you honestly you chose by saying it would cost more to get Sergachev. So uh, just pointing it out there. Well, no, you. that's that's only because Sergachev is more of a prime asset than Sorelli. Uh, that's you choosing, baby. No, that's <laughs> oh not choosing. God. That's just that's that's just being objective. Sergachev is is a much more harder harder commodity to get than Sorelli is. Right. Um, sounds like you're choosing. No, it's not choosing at all. Uh, but, but no, but I think to I don't the point, think, do you see either of them accepting one, an offer sheet? I don't think either one will accept an offer sheet. Braden Point didn't accept an offer sheet from Montreal. So I don't think so the Rangers, the Rangers wanted to give him one too. Yeah, but I don't think it ever got to that point. No, it never did because the Rangers quickly pivoted. Yes. Yeah. So I mean and Point took a heck of a lot less money on his bridge deal. Um so it's I mean, in the water in Tampa Bay, man. It's a, it, it's a culture thing. It's a culture thing. This t- the, the players that uh, down here have consistently always taken less money to keep the core of the team together, which is why the team has been so good for so long. Um, and I just, I, I, especially Sorelli, I don't see Sorelli doing it at all. Sorelli is, is embedding himself into this team's culture so much that they just, they, they are not getting rid of him. I mean, for Christ's sake, he basically took Stamkos' spot at center and Stamkos is a wing now. They're just, they're not getting rid of that. And Sergachev has cemented himself as this, easily the second best defenseman behind Victor Hedman. You know, like it, right. it used to be Victor Hedman, Ryan McDonough, then Sergachev. And now, in my opinion, it's very much Victor Hedman, Mikhail Sergachev, and then Ryan McDonough. Um, good problem to have, by the way. It is a good problem to have. Um, How's Ryan been? Sir- just out of curiosity. 
Um, he's been fine for the most part, honestly. He had a really rough game. I think it was game two or game one. No, game one. It was a really rough game for him that he got slightly better in the overtimes, but he was just he he was reading things all kinds of wrong. Game two, he was better, even though they lost. Game three, he was fine. Today, he was fine. Um, but overall, he's been you know he's been a rock for the team, especially when Hedman has been out with injuries. He's been a rock. He's nowhere near as flashy as he used to be, but I think that's kind of the way the team wants it to be. They want him to be that shutdown guy with Chernak and that, which allows Hedman and Sergachev to kind of, you know, wheelhouse more and create more offense. Um, but yeah, he's been fine for the most part. I still don't like the contract in general. It's way too long for way too much money for a guy who's not going to put up any kind of points to support that. Um, but we're better with him than we are without him. We miss him sometimes. We, we'd like to play defense. It'd be really nice. Um, I'm good with on uh, questions for Matthew Gregory. I, I just I I am I I am sitting here stunned that you pick Sergeyev over Sorelli. Oh my god, that really, oh my that really god. threw me off. Oh my off. god, Greg, Matthew. Thank, <laughs> oh my god, he's thank, trying to manifest everything he possibly can. He did the Trouba thing. It's, that's, no, it's, but you you I mean I mean to be fair, like what what is your fear level that both these guys will not be on Tampa Bay's roster come whenever the season the December first? See my because fear it, level. It, my fear level is not that high solely because this this. Management group, even before Breezeball with Iserman, well, Breezeball was there, obviously. Um, they've always found a way. And this poses the greatest challenge um, that the front office, front office has had to keep um, two burgeoning young stars on a team while also trying to manage other mid-tier contracts. So, again, it's going to be real interesting because they've got to talk these guys into either taking really, really cheap bridge deals and then moving – the other guys, uh, the the Gords, the Palats, the Johnsons, the Kalorns, moving those guys once their no trade clauses become partials because Johnson's becomes non uh, partial after next year, I believe. Palat as well, and Gord, I think another year after that. So they might approach it in the mindset of take a little bit of money now in a short term, and by the time your contract's up again, we'll have enough caps, we'll have the space to actually sign you to something. Um, and, they, and they'll also probably leverage the fact that we're still a winning team. We're still one of the best teams in the league, which is what they've been doing basically since Stamkos signed his – well, Stamkos and him and signed their long-term extensions. I mean, Kucherov took a bridge deal and then Kucherov cashed in. And, and so they'll probably throw that at them as well. It's like everyone who's gone through a bridge deal has cashed in later. And the thing is, is yeah, they, I, would be, they would be correct on that. The, the problem is the flat cap is going to hurt everyone. No matter what, it's going to hurt RFA's really bad. It's going to hurt UFA's really, really bad. It's going to cause it's going to cause all this big growth that we were seeing in player salaries to kind of like stop and drop because teams are like, "Yo, we just, we we can't give you what you want because of this." But if you want to stay here and win and back, be a part of something, you have to kind of work with us a little bit. And then down the road, and Tampa's been a team that has shown that if you take a bridge deal with us, you're going to get paid later. And so that could be a route they take, but. I'm, I, I, I don't know. My fear again. My fear factor is not super high, solely because they've found a way before. It's just now having faith in that management group that's done a pretty great job at keeping a talented team together. It's just uh, the the big thing is just how how are you going to do it? Yeah, w- with with an escalating cap, you're probably at what ninety five percent certainty that both guys were going to come back. 99. You are now at ninety nine, and you are now at. I'm now at probably 80 to 85 just because this is such an uncertain situation. Fair His confidence yeah, like makes before, me shaky. I'll put it that way. It doesn't make me shaky. I, I, know I that, have Greg. irrational confidence. Double Everybody down, baby. But, like, <laughs> but Matt, one, one thing we talked about before you came on the podcast today is like Tampa Bay was an organization that not only could 
extend JT Miller, but then trick a team into giving up a first round draft pick for said JT Miller. And you would agree. It sounds like you would agree that it's not exactly like Tampa Bay will be able to work their voodoo on teams because the cap's just not going up. So that J like if, if Tampa Bay was trying to trade JT Miller again, this off season, I'm not, and I'm not talking about the JT Miller that just played a full season for Vancouver. I'm talking about the version of JT Miller that the lightning traded for a first round pick. You're not getting a first round pick for that in this current situation, right? Um, it would be, it would be, out, guys, it would be outrageous. Out of all the guys they could possibly trade. I don't know if JT Miller went for a first round pick, they can really leverage the other guys, especially guys but with proven playoff performers like Johnson. But it's, a, it's, different, it's gotta be a different market now. No, oh, one's no got it's, money. It's, it's absolutely a different market, but at the same point, um, I mean, we were shocked we got a first rounder for JT Miller for Christ's sake. Um, and then we traded. You shouldn't have. You shouldn't have. We really, I mean, all by JT Miller has made it worth it with how great he's been in Vancouver. We'll see if it continues, but um, I don't know. I really don't know. It, it, this 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 whole flat cap literally changes the entire landscape of how GMs are going to negotiate. And it's hard for us as, as people who analyze the game and watch the game in general to really kind of gauge, gauge what is going to happen. Cause we haven't seen a move trade or anything like that happen since this, uh, since the pandemic hit. So this off season is literally going to be new for all of us. It's going to basically reset all of our expectations for like what, what caliber of player will get what back and also how GMs gauge it. You know, GMs might go into it thinking the same way they did before the pandemic and causing a whole bunch of weird stuff to happen. You know, we just don't know. And it's that it's that uncertainty that just, you know, I think causes a lot of people to have a ton of anxiety about, which is understandable. But for myself, it's just like I'm very much like, okay, well, can't really do anything about it till it actually happens, at least analyze wise. So it's just like just wait and see, in my opinion. And there's no reason for me to pull my hair out, like trying to figure out the value and how that's going to be in this new like flat cap era and stuff like that. I'm very much like, well, once this, once these first trades go through, once the season is over, I think that will give us a decent baseline to kind of move forward with. But until that point, I'm very much just in a wait and see mindset. Matthew, you've shaken me and I feel sad because I had hopes and dreams, but I appreciate you coming on. I mean, have hopes and <laughs> dreams, Ryan. Like again, just, just cause I say, you know, I, just because I say I'm pretty confident we're going to keep them doesn't mean we will. They very well might. It, it, it it's, it's, it, there's so much gray area with this. No, I know. As well as, as well as other teams. You've it's covered just like, sports the last eight months. You know what it's like. It's six yeah, months or sports. six, eight I've years. Covered sports for the last like f- almost four years. I know what it's like. It's, it's very much nothing more than just well, speculate and pray. That's what we do here. That's the, speculate and pray might as well be the uh, official Ryan, model of church Chicago. Ryan Ryan's the prey and I'm the speculate. That's where we go. I pray. Actually, that's perfect. It really works out probably, really well. You should probably rename the podcast. Yeah, hold on. Venmoing Matthew Estevez for copyright right now. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Matt. Why don't you plug what you do and where, where the people can find you? Yeah. So everyone can find me on Twitter at Matt Estevez SBN. My last name is spelled E-S-T-E-V-E-S. I write for Raw Charge. I'm their credentialed in-game arena um, reporter. Um, I cover basically every single game that the Lightning play. And you can hit me up there. You can converse with me on Twitter and stuff like that. Thank you for being part of the number three hockey podcast last week. Really appreciate it. And we'll have hey, – well, hey, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was on this before it got huge. Yo, you've been, you were one of our favorite guests when you first came on, so you still are. There you go. 
Um, love you, boys. Love you. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon, and uh, we're actually going to sign off too. So you can follow me on Twitter at Orion Media. You can follow Greg at Booster's Break. We'll be back this Wednesday with an OT. Game 7 versus Vancouver. Final recap now that we got the first overall pick. We'll be back next week with another episode of Booster's Breakaway. Thanks, everyone. Love you. Bye.